Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we concluded our look at the testimony of the defendant, Kyle Rittenhouse. On today's episode, we cover the testimony of Dr. John Black, a defense witness who takes the stand as a use of force expert and as a certified video analyst. That's all coming up right after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. During a pretrial hearing in October of 2021, the defense argued a motion to be able to call Dr. John Black as a use of force expert in the trial. Prosecutor Thomas Binger responded that Black is an expert in the use of force by police, not civilians. Judge Bruce Schrader granted the defense motion, and on November 11, 2021, Veterans Day, Dr. Black is the first witness to take the stand. As he does so, Judge Schrader offers him an eyebrow-raising introduction. I wanted to just observe that it's Veterans Day. And uh, any veterans in the room, on the jury or anywhere else? Well, I, that's unusual not to have at least somebody in here. But Dr. Black is uh, what branch? Okay, and uh, I think we give a round of applause to the people who've served this country. Okay, so you may proceed. Dr. Black cuts a somewhat portly figure, sporting short, thinning silver hair and a goatee that match his silver tie. He wears a dark gray vested suit with a white dress shirt. After taking the witness through his resume, defense attorney Mark Richards begins by asking Dr. Black about his work on this case as a video analyst. Now, let's get started with that. The start of event number one do you have that available uh yes as in do you want me to show it by video yes okay as richards begins to ask dr black about a moment in one of the videos where the defendant allegedly shouts friendly 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 after he is surprised by an armed joshua zeminski prosecutor binger raises an objection this would be the point where friendly 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 heard within the soundtrack and obviously we can play that as well so. please yeah, I'm, I'm gonna check this is beyond the scope of the court's order after the jury leaves the courtroom prosecutor binger argues his objection Your Honor, the court has signed an order that specifies the scope of dr black's testimony that order indicates that he is going to be allowed to testify to what is contained on paragraph 19 of his preliminary report dated July 31st, 2021. That subsection reads, this is the report, counsel. Page 19, 
subsection 3A1. This pertains to the shots at Joseph Rosenbaum. That subsection reads, the four shots occur in approximately one second with the times in hundredths of a second of 0.26, 0.25, and 0.23 respectively between shots one, two, three, and four. The court has also ruled that the, defense, that the witness can testify as to the uh, information contained on page 22 of his report in paragraph 4A and 4A1. That pertains to the timing of the shots in uh, what counsel describes as the second event, uh, where the defendant shoots at the unidentified individual, Mr. Huber and Mr. Grosskreutz. So the scope of this document, 142, is well beyond the court's order. What he's being asked right now, and what I objected, is beyond this, the court's order. What he is characterizing in this uh, Exhibit 142 in terms of his interpretation of what various people in the case were doing or what their intent was or anything like that is beyond the scope of the court's order. Um, so my understanding from the court's order was he'd be able to say, gunshot one, two, three, and four to Rosenbaum happened in this amount of time. And then the second set of gunshots happened in this amount of time. And that's it. So when we're talking about friendly, 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 or uh, throwing the bag or things like that, that's outside of the time frame. Mark Richards responds for the defense. I'm using demonstrative evidence to show how he reached these times. And it's all evidence that's already been testified to and admitted. Some of the evidence has been enhanced, just like the state enhanced the bag, some of the other photos. He's a licensed, um, trained video specialist. He has the background, and we're showing the jury what he used to get these values. And that shows how he did it and the reliability of doing it. And I'm not worried about what Mr. Binger's talking about, the comments or anything like that, um, that's a way that he found the times. Uh, <clears throat> Your Honor, just time in relationship to video in this case is so important. Yesterday afternoon, Mr. Binger spent much time cross-examining my client regarding those approximately 30 frames from the BG on the scene. And that was approximately a tenth of a second. And he spread it out, and what we're trying to do is show through video the true events of that night. And I believe it is with the court's order, because basically what we're looking at is an event, and the state can quibble with my time of when I started the event. They might say it's back five, 10 seconds before or whatever, but the total time of the event from friendly, friendly until he surrenders at the police car, two minutes and 55 seconds. The jury should know that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Binger offers a rebuttal to Richard's remarks. Um, first of all, what counsel has just mentioned in terms of the overall timing is something he's free to play video and argue. Uh, the question is what this expert witness can testify to. The court has ordered specifically what he can and cannot testify to. Your order is one of limitation. It specifies the limits of what he can testify to. It's a fundamental notice issue, Your Honor. In his preliminary report, he didn't have information regarding the timing from friendly, friendly, friendly. That was a report from three months ago. We were not put on notice that there would be this testimony through this witness as to the timing of from the very beginning of all this to the very end. This is the, this Exhibit 142 is the first document we've received, and it was received today. It was provided yesterday. Don't, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. It, uh, it is the first document we've received from the defense pertaining to this witness with regard to the timing of the entire evening. Your Honor, I ask the court to think back to the, what's happened procedurally in this case. That FBI video didn't come around until about two weeks before trial. The drone video didn't come back until during trial. And most of this work has been done over the last two days to catch up to those exhibits. I provided this exhibit yesterday afternoon when it was first provided. The only change to it is and was a typo, which actually inures to the state's benefit by adding approximately nine seconds. I, I, I quibble with counsel. Uh, the FBI video was uh, made available to counsel over three months ago. Um, that is, un that is, un I don't want to, you know what, I don't want to get into it, I don't want to get into it, unless you can tell me that you have reason to believe that, that doctor is going to testify differently about some of these other time periods within that less than five minute period, or that you, you are somehow prejudiced, prejudiced, prejudiced by the late arrival of the report, and I don't want to say late, although, okay, that's fair, um, um, then I, I'm going to allow the uh, the uh, testimony to be given. Uh, yesterday, uh, as I said, I, I was under the court's ire. You know, I don't want to talk about... Well, why don't I, we just... I think it's a fundamental fairness issue, Your Honor. All right, say what you if, want to say. If I'm being held to uh, obey the court's orders, uh, I'm asking that the defense be held to that, too. This is something we litigated at a Daubert hearing. We spent time on this. Uh, so. You know, I am going to interrupt you, and I'm, then I'm going to let you talk again. But I was talking yesterday about the Constitution of the United States and how the Supreme Court has interpreted it for 50 years. That's not what we're talking about here today. So this is a notice issue to the state. We have not been provided proper notice of this. And clearly, if the shoe were on the other foot and we tried something like this, there would be Quite a, quite a kerfluffle about that. Um, so uh, that, that's one point. One specific 
item of prejudice that I do want to bring to the court's attention is in exhibit, exhibit 142. As I pointed out earlier, there are characterizations here. Well, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, doctors, uh, he, I assume he's using it for, uh, to pinpoint particular events, and I agree with you, he's not going to be permitted to do that. And with that modest concession to the prosecution, Judge Schrader allows the defense witness to testify beyond the scope that he had originally allowed. When the jury returns, defense attorney Mark Richards takes Dr. Black through video of the Rosenbaum shooting and asks him about the timing of the gunshots fired by Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, this screen is the start of the gunshots that have been attributed to Kyle Rittenhouse, correct? For what's been referred to as event one, that is correct. Okay. And using your program regarding sound and video, you have determined how far apart shot one and shot four were, correct? I have. And that's by using the frames per second and the audiograph? It's a combination between them both, but yes. Okay. And if I label shot one as zero time. When does shot two occur? Approximately three quarters of a second by the different timings, 0.739. Okay, I want to get shot number two oh, first. I'm sorry, my fault. The second shot using shot one as a zero point would occur 0.263 seconds after shot one. Okay, and what is the time distance time between shots, what is the second and third shot? The time between the second and sh third shot would be 0.247. And the time elapsed between the third and fourth shot? The time between the third and fourth shot would be 0.229. And the total of those four shots fired by Kyle Rittenhouse occur in what amount of time? 0.739, or again, approximately three quarters of a second. Richards next steps back in time and references the shot by Joshua Zeminski. What I will refer to as the Zeminski shot. Council, we agree that the first shot was Mr. Zeminski. Okay. The Zeminski shot to Kyle shot zero. The time between the Zeminski shot, as you referred to it, and the shot attributed to Kyle Rittenhouse as his first shot would be approximately about, about two and three-quarter seconds. Richards then goes through the next sequence of shots that were fired by the defendant, two of which struck Anthony Huber and Gage Grosskreutz. And when you analyze this video, did Jump Kick Man kick Kyle in the face first or the first shot go off? before the kick. I'm going to object, Your Honor, this is beyond the scope of the court's order regarding this witness's opinion. Uh, it seems to me the jury could... Uh, you're asking him to make an identification that the jurors could make themselves? I'm asking him, based upon his video analysis, what happened first, the kick to the face in the first gunshot in event number two, or the gunshot in event number two, and then the kick to the face? Overall. Can you ask the question again, please? Yes. Based upon your analysis of the video and sound analysis, what occurred first, 
the kick to the face by jump kick man to my client or the first gunshot. Based on my analysis, the kick to the face occurred prior to the gunshot. Richards then asks whether the video captures what the people in the video were observing. After Judge Schrader overrules a prosecution objection based on scope, Dr. Black offers this answer. Uh, the short answer is it's impossible for it to do that. Um, describing it to you the best way that I can. Imagine, well, you were just doing it. All of you were looking at a video screen, a depiction. It's a known focal length from you, yet you can see from maybe, if I go halfway between the jury, about 12 feet, and that stays constant. And then you look from that distance all the way out 50 yards. Everything in that frame is at the same exact moment of clarity. But your eyes can't do that. The other thing is you're looking at two actors in this case, maybe five or 10 actors that you were looking at, depending on what each one of you chose to look at. So the video can't tell you what each one of you were looking at, and it can't tell you what either actor in there was looking at, attending to, nor perceiving. Putting that in its context though, video has absolute benefit to an analyst to help us understand what was objectively occurring. And that's the way that we use it, and that's, in my argument, the way it should be used. But it also has potential limitations. And I think you actually heard Senior Examiner Armstrong speak to some of those limitations. Camera movement, movement of people, lighting. So for example, we can brighten it up a little bit or clarify it. You can't do that with your eyes. So the short answer is video has great value but it is not the experience or the perception of the people involved in the event, it can't be. Richards concludes his direct examination of Dr. Black with a series of questions that emphasize how quickly the events transpired. Lastly, doctor, the shots in event one took less than one second, approximately three quarters of a second. Approximately three quarters of a second. And the events, uh, event number two, the four shots in event number two, took a total of 2.93 seconds, correct? That's incorrect. They took a total of 5.468. 2.933 was the, the time between the third and the fourth shots. So the total between the two events of shooting is less than seven seconds. Are, are you asking if you were to put both those two figures together? Yes. Yeah, it's about six and a half seconds. I have nothing further. Prosecutor Binger begins his cross-examination by calling attention to the compensation paid by the defense to the witness for his services on their behalf. And you were retained by the defense to uh, provide expert opinions in this case, correct? Yes, sir. And you are being compensated for that? Yes, sir. What is your hourly rate? Um, uh, it varies somewhere between, for certain tasks, $160 an hour and other tasks up to $480 an hour. And for your testimony here right now, are you being, uh, are you billing at a rate of $480 an hour? No, sir, I'm billing at a rate of $320 an hour. You indicated earlier that you're uh, being paid hourly for this. How much in, in total so far have you billed the defense for the work you've done in this case? Uh, estimated probably, um, a little over $9,000. 
Binger, for inscrutable reasons, also asks about the timings between the Joshua Zeminski shot and the first shot by Rittenhouse at Joseph Rosenbaum, and between the last shot at Rosenbaum and the moment that the defendant was first struck by one of his pursuers. The prosecutor also calls attention to the enhancements and manipulations made by the witness to the video, seeming to imply that these are no different than the manipulations made by the prosecution to which the defense objected and asks the witness to produce metadata that explains these enhancements. Binger concludes by reserving the right to continue his questioning of the witness after that metadata has been provided. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us tomorrow as we offer our review of the final witness testimonies presented as part of the defense case. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.